It is Thursday, February 24th. This is Jaguars Happy Hour. And now, a guy who's frequently recommended for the dunk tank, J.P. Shadrick. Oh, welcome in. It is Jaguars Happy Hour on this Thursday afternoon. Busy show ahead. This was coming up today. Well, Jeff, Jeff Lagerman's coming up today. Jaguars analyst joins us most every Thursday. NFL scouting combine coming up next week in Indianapolis. The focus of the NFL world will be in Indy. Franchise tag talk. The deadline coming up March 8th. Will the Jags make a move there? And we'll go around the NFL. Plenty of news leading into the combine next week. Uh, Jeff Lagerman, good afternoon. What's up? It's all good, man. It's good to be here. Uh, scouting combine, right? Yes. They, they, I guess they kind of settled their differences, I guess you could say. So, apparently there was a group of players and their agents uh, that did not want to be bubbled. Uh, that was Originally, they were going to be bubbled in the hotel room, and only a certain few people could be around the actual players. Well, I guess mm-hmm. the agent said, you know what, that's not going to work. We're just going to boycott the thing. Yeah, I think there was about 150 of them yeah. that were going to boycott about the half, actual NFL Combine, which that's that's a sizable chunk of, of talent. And, uh, and the league backed off. Well, and, and, I, and I get it. I mean, first of all, I mean, come on. I mean, if – if look, first of all, I'm not a big fan of all these handlers that the players need, okay? Let me just say that. <laughs> but if you're asking somebody to come there – then shouldn't you essentially make sure that the terms are okay for them? It's because a, they're not getting paid. They're, correct. It's they're not their own union dime. members yeah. while they are at the combine, mm-hmm. and so this is not a uh, this is not a, a negotiation here. This is because the the players that are invited to the combine are not unionized members. They're not getting paid. So all of these things and and the whole essence of the combine is for the clubs to gather information in one place to save millions of dollars by doing it in one central location to bring everybody there so that money doesn't have to be spent to do it all separately or in some other way. So you would think that they should have said, yeah, whatever you need, we'll be more than happy to mm-hmm. satisfy some of the things that you're asking for. Right. And uh, so I'm glad that the players got that. I mean, look, if, if they want to have a nutritionist, if they want to have a personal therapist alongside them, let them have it. Sure. Let, let them have it. That's as long right. as it doesn't interfere with what the NFL is asking them to do while they're there, big deal. So anyway, glad that's resolved. Maybe they're still going to have to do media, go to the podium, meet with teams, interviews, all these things. So um, I now think it's wide it's a, open. I think it's a great uh, – the, the NFL Combine has changed so much. Oh, and, yes. And it's changed so much because it has become – I mean, really it's kind of become a, a spectator sport. It's a primetime spectator sport yeah. on TV. Yeah, TV I mean, made. The the NFL draft and the information leading up to the draft is just it's, it's incredible. I mean, everybody wants to be a draft nick. Everybody wants information on all these prospects. Everybody wants to have a mock draft. 
And uh, where's your mock draft? Have you I, done? I have yet? no. I haven't done one point oh. I haven't done no. my. I'll, I'll I'll probably do one, and I won't do a complete first round. Maybe I will. Well, right. you can do Maybe all the way to thirty three. Two Jaguars picks in there. Think yeah, about may, that may, for a Maybe while. I will. Maybe I will. But it's uh, <laughs> but it's pretty cool that this has become a very popular thing. Back you know, years ago, when when I went there, it was back uh, in my day. Yeah, and I mean, I don't want to be one of these old guys. <laughs> that, you know, way back when when I went, and, uh, it was it was just a little bit simpler. You went there, uh, you went through the medical check, you did the physical testing. There was a few guys at that point, some of them that opted not to work out for whatever reason, uh, but mostly everybody went. That I mean, they were there. They didn't. I don't think there was ever anybody that really refused to go to the combine in my era, but there might have been some quarterbacks that didn't throw. There might have been some that didn't run the 40 because of a medical reason or something of that nature. but uh, That still happens today some, too. I mean, yeah, some guys opt out of certain things. But Bucky Brooks made a pretty good point yesterday on uh, the Huddle Up podcast that, you know, if you have a really good time at the combine, like 40 time or testing numbers, mm-hmm. whatever, you don't have to do anything else. You don't have to run at the pro day and do all this. No. If you have a subpar time or one you don't like or some numbers you don't like, you have a chance at least later to correct them at the pro day. Correct. So it's a it's a it's an important piece of the. Well, it's just, it's just a piece. It's a piece. That's what it That's is. Right. It's a piece of the puzzle. And, and there's a lot a lot more that goes on there. Just besides the most important thing about the combine is the physical check. It's the actual physical. It's when the doctors are literally checking joints and checking past injuries and checking your body. The medical check. That's that's the by far the most important thing that they do there. And everybody else is attracted to the part that makes for TV, which is the 40 time, the broad jump, the high jump, throwing, et cetera, and some of the interview process and getting players up at the podium. But in reality, the real value of the combine is none of that. The value of the combine is the medical check, which that's not, they don't film that, they don't show that. It's the x rays, it's the MRIs, it's the poking and the prodding and everything else. And uh, and when I went to the combine, I didn't really have any expectations, and you know, it's obviously very different now. We have guys that literally they have workout regimes that are completely tailored for the combine, so that they can max out and do their best at the combine. When uh, prior to the combine, when I was there, we had guys that when we kind of knew what we were going to be doing, so we wouldn't completely cater our workout towards that, but we would practice some of that stuff. Mm -hmm. But they literally have now personal trainers that have an entire workout system geared towards the combine. I mean, uh, sprinters showing them how to actually sprint. How to get out of the box. How to to run smooth without shaking and minimizing any kind of movement that may take away I mean, trust me, I know all about that. Yeah, I can tell you're a total athlete. I am faster than I look. Yeah, total. But it was was interesting, too, at the Combine because it was a little bit more of the wild, wild west when I went. Oh, yeah. When, When I say that, I mean it from the standpoint of, there was a little less control on the environment. So at the hotel, you had everybody had their own room, et cetera, and NFL personnel were sprinkled throughout, but it wasn't like they had security and keeping people out. I mean, there were unscrupulous agents and women on their arms that were meant to attract these oh, players see. to them. Right. Hey, come to my room. I mean, right. it was – I'll never forget that uh, – <laughs> Some guy, I don't remember how we were, how it 
came about, but some guy kind of came up to me and he had a beautiful woman on his arm. And he's talking to me, hey, I'm an agent, you know, and it was me and about four other guys. And there was a couple other guys that were with me that were considered much higher prospects than I was because I wasn't really considered a first round kind of prospect at that time yet. And uh, so they're trying to, you know, he's trying to lay his spiel on us, Mm -hmm. you know, on me and the other guys that I was with. And And were you uh, represented at the time or no? I, yeah, I had an agent, had but I mean, we didn't have a, a signed contract or anything it. of yeah. that nature. Yeah, and and I'll never forget it. We're sitting there in this uh, kind of uh, sitting area, and this agent is talking to us. And the whole time that the agent is talking to us, I mean, you could tell that. I mean, he was on something. I mean, it just it just wasn't normal. And the entire time, JP, this beautiful woman is looking me up and down. Oh, well. I mean, like JP, like. Up and down. Uh, okay, I get it. I get yes, it. we got she a question. Had, Joe, yes. Does she have dark glasses and a dog? <laughs> she she probably did have a yeah, she probably blind. But it was it was a you could tell that it was just a total circus. I mean, I I guess that's the only way I can put it, but she was doing the same thing with other guys and it, it gave you the kind of gave you the impression that she was essentially a prostitute there wow. designed and and that was actually they had seriously they had an issue with that at some of the combines. You remember her name? <laughs> JP, no, I'm just asking. I mean, it's on, 1989. Man. It's been a while. I mean, <laughs> no, I don't remember <laughs> her name. And no, kidding. I didn't. I'm kidding. I didn't ever course. went any further than that. Okay, that's a joke. I can tell you this: there were some other guys at the combine that I did see them around that agent, and it was I don't know where it went. <laughs> I'll just leave it at that. So, all right, we'll say this: the back in those days, also there were. 15 or 20 media people that went to this thing some writers and that was about it correct and we now, didn't talk we didn't talk to any of them right they would have to chase people down on the street there was no organized media center right. now there are i think i was told the other night over 800 credentialed media for this event alone right and, it, and it's and a uh, low level and and I, and I think that's probably the one aspect that has changed is that now you get another opportunity to evaluate these prospects as far as how they handle the media Mm. because they're put up at the podiums back in the day. We didn't have podiums. We didn't talk to the media, but there were plenty of one-on-one opportunities to where you, you were asked to go, Hey, can you, uh, so-and-so with the Chicago bears or so-and-so with the Pittsburgh Steelers wants to talk to you. Can you come down to room X number at such and such a time? And you did. Mm -hmm. It's so much more structured now as far as the interviews, the amount of time they're allowed to be interviewed, et cetera. It was a little bit more intimate back in the late 80s. But the wild thing is, is that the core of the combine has not changed. It's just a lot of the ancillary things around the combine have changed. But as far as the testing that you're doing, the medical check, the uh, interviews with teams. It's, it happened before. It happens now. It's a little bit more structured. But it's pretty wild how that really hasn't changed much after all these years. And it had, you know, going all the way back to long before me. I think the last time I went was about four years ago. And at, in that time, they, there's a hotel right across the street from the convention center they used to be the old train station. They have these, you know, kind of train car hotel rooms in the middle of it, and then on the side, regular rooms. That's where the team set up for the interview portion. Mm. And they, at that time at least, 
blew like a horn every so often. What is it? Fifteen minutes was the the amount of time you had for the interview process. And then guys would rotate. You'd have somebody bring them around, and I mean, it's it's clockwork. You're rolling guys. We didn't have we we didn't have none of that. No, none of that happened back in the late '80s. It was more of a a one-on-one kind of a thing. There was no structure. There was no time limits. If you wanted to talk to somebody, you just made a phone call to that person's room or, or. with his representative, and you, they arranged a, a, a meeting with you. Uh, I met with uh, Marty Schottenheimer and Carl Peterson. At that time, they were the brain trust of the Kansas City Chiefs um, and numerous other organizations. But I remember that one pretty distinctly because Marty was uh, was such a strong personality, and uh, and it was you know fun fun to talk with him and I was kind of a fan of the Kansas City Chiefs because I had a, for, a couple of former UVA guys that played with the Chiefs and obviously a big fan of watching some of the things that they were, they were able to do defensively of course another part of the combine week coaches and general managers speak with the media and being a couple of weeks before the start of the league year and free agency it is a a, a big moment to kind of figure out which what organizations um, directions might be, and certainly the Jaguars are in that case this year with a, a lot of question marks, a lot of new faces of what it's going to be. So I think the schedule is Tuesday to hear from Peterson and Balky at the podium in Indianapolis. Yeah, and uh, I don't know how much more that they would be able to add from what, especially, uh, we just heard a lot from from Doug Peterson. Right. We're gonna, you know what? We we're gonna read some tea leaves logs in the next week or so. That's how that's how it happens. You you dissect every part of the transcript. Oh, did they mean this? Are they gonna franchise this guy? Or are they gonna draft this guy? That means they're gonna draft well, a tackle. Wait a minute. The reality is, is that when I when I say when I say that there's probably not gonna be a whole lot more in, new information that's gonna be able to be gleaned from that interview at the combine. I say that because most teams and organizations can be, and I'm not, they're not trying to be evasive. They're just trying to protect some of their information because you don't ever want to let your game plan be known prior to free agency, et cetera, because you want to be able to surprise some people in some particular way. But I think it will be interesting from the standpoint that Doug Peterson and Trent Baalke will have had some time to organize and work with their staffs, work with each other. And so some of the conversations about the di- the dynamic that's going to be existing between those two. And then who knows, maybe an EVP will be named by the Jaguars by that period of time. And so that dynamic will be introduced, I'm sure, to the line of questioning. So there, there will be uh, some interest, I think, from that standpoint. But uh, – you're not going to find out who they're going to draft at you know at the combine by by talking to them. A lot of work still to be done between now and uh, draft night. Well, and this organization's a little bit behind now, Absolutely JP. I mean, a lot of other things to do. I mean, uh, you know, typically, I mean, if staffs and organizations that have already been set with you know general manager and head coaches in place, I mean, when the season ended, they were already they were already working towards 2022. This organization. Uh, took what 50 days to name their new head coach ballparkish and so and then you know it took a little bit of time for the staff to be to be formulated and and signed and then so okay now the work evaluation part so I mean this organization is staff and and I'm sure Doug would maybe argue against it somewhat but the reality is they're behind where I'm sure some other organizations are they're playing a little bit of catch up 
And now will they be able to kind of say at some point, okay, yeah, we are caught up? Sure they are. We'll be able to do that. I don't know at what point that'll be. That'll be up to them. But at some point they will be caught up and they will be up to speed. The Daily's Place schedule starting to fill out for the spring and summer logs. AEW Dynamite coming up on March 2nd, and then the concerts begin in April. Brothers Osborne, Will Dirk, Tim McGraw. Plenty of shows coming up in spring and summer. Daily'sPlace.com for all the information. I'm, I'm going to guess you'll be at the Tim McGraw show, Logs. Well, Brothers Osborne's pretty good, too, now. That's a... That's a uh, those two probably draw my attention as well as the AEW Dynamite. Oh, yeah. You know. I could see you as like a wrestling, you know, as a wrestler. I think I might pick up a, a, a career in wrestling. I need to talk to Tony I Khan. think there's somebody that can hook you up with that. Yeah. Yeah. See, see if I can come flying off of the top rope like Jimmy Superfly Snooker. <laughs> you, you can do anything once. Who's Logs? your favorite wrestler of all time? Oh, Hogan. Hogan? Yeah. But besides him, everybody. Well, I mean, everybody was supposed to hacksaw Jim Duggan. Uh, he's pretty good, pretty good. Um, hey, we need to go to break. We'll come we back. We'll let you think about it. All right. uh, we'll come back with that. Um, and Press Taylor, Bob, offensive coordinator as well. Bob Backlund, <laughs> this name is from the past. Jaguars happy hour on the Jaguars digital network. Obviously, Coach Peterson and I can speak the same language, having been in the same offense for five years. Um, and then, you know, Andrew Briner is even a guy that worked with us for a year there. Nick Williams worked with us there. So we can speak the Philadelphia Eagles language. Um, and then really one of the ties is kind of Peyton Manning, where Mike McCoy's worked with Peyton Manning. Jim Bob Cooter's worked with Peyton Manning. Frank Reich had worked with Peyton Manning. Frank was with us in Philly. So we can – myself – Mike McCoy, Jim Bob Cooter, we can kind of speak a certain language based on what I did in Indy and what those guys have been familiar with with Peyton. Uh, so there are some unique ties that kind of bring people together, and as long as we can initially speak the same language, we can work well together, and then we'll come up with what our language is so we're all on the exact same page as we move forward. That's Press Taylor, Jaguars offensive coordinator, visiting with John Ozier on the Ozone podcast. We'll hear from Mike Caldwell coming up on another edition. They will be out today and tomorrow on the – Official Jaguars Podcast Network. J.P. Shadrick, Jeff Lagerman, Brent Reber on the video side, Joe Fortunato. You heard from him earlier on the audio side. Yeah, now a new language. Uh, and yeah, there's a lot of a lot of people around the quarterback in this coaching staff, right? The OC, passing game coordinator, quarterback coach, assistant quarterback coach. Oh yeah, and the head coach. Uh, but they got to have that one language as press taylor said there and uh it seems like they're pretty confident they can get that together among the the coaches who've had some history together well and i think the focus is obviously making trevor lawrence be the best that he can be but but when you have that many proven entities because a lot of those guys are proven entities you have to make sure to, and ensure, Doug Peterson does, to make sure that it's not too many voices trying to speak to Trevor Lawrence. Because when you start to have, you know, the old saying, too many chefs in the kitchen can ruin a meal. I mean, I think that is true. I think that's very true. And that you need to make sure that you have, I don't want to say the one voice, but you have to have one voice speaking to him. It can't be, and it's not one person, so per se, but it's one voice as far as everybody has to be on the same page. And you do not do not want to have 
five different coaches that are trying to mentor Trevor Lawrence. That's, that's just not good. It's just too much. So I think it will be – I don't want to say it will be a little bit of a challenge. I think it, Doug will make sure that that does happen. But it is nice that they have so many different people with the experience level that they have that I don't think there's any question that this will be an offense that will utilize the personnel that they have and will be – creative in a lot of different ways in utilizing that personnel because there is a wide range of experience. Press Taylor being one of the most inexperienced, but he's got a lot of great guys that he can really kind of lean on Mm -hmm. to be a first-time offensive coordinator. Big question, of course, coming up on the offensive line. We've we've talked a little bit about this, but there's some some big money contracts on that line that – you know, on the interior especially, Linder could be back. Uh, Norwell is, uh, I think, a free agent coming up. Um, what's going to happen at left tackle? Right tackle didn't have his best season last year, and then there was all the changes at right guard last season. This could be a, a different-looking line, I would say. Yeah, well, it could be very different-looking. I mean, it could be really, really different-looking. I think a lot of that you'll you'll get – a little bit of a sample of how different it could be once free agency starts, or yes, actually sir. before free agency starts, because what happens with Cam Robinson? Yeah. Are you going to tag him? Or are you not? That's uh, no. so. Here's the number on it. So for Cam Robinson, the, the tag number this year is right around sixteen and a half million dollars, right? But for Cam, it's be the second time tagged, so it's yeah, so he's got to get a raise. It'd be one hundred and twenty percent of last year's salary. So basically, it's the same number. It's right around the same, just over $16.5 million mm-hmm. if you tag him again. And it's the higher of those two numbers, 120% or what the normal tag number would be this year. They're pretty close either, either way. Uh, for me, uh, I'd like to see him back. I, mean, I, th- I, think, you, I think you have the, – the greatest thing that you can do with any position group is to create great competition. You know, and, and you can't – in some cases, you can't worry about what the numbers are so to speak. You just need to find a way to create that competition. You have two guys that are already under contract in Walker Little and then also uh, Juwan Taylor at right tackle. And so if you're able to retain Cam Robinson, now you create three guys that have two starting positions open. So now you try to figure out what's going to be the best situation and get the best two guys, the best productivity that you can get out of both of those positions with those three guys. And I've said this in the past, and, I, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with it. I really believe this. I think Cam Robinson can be the best right tackle in football. I st- and I believe he can be a really good left tackle. I don't know, and I'd like to know what Walker Little could be at right tackle because you'd like to find out what's the best combination for this team. I think the best combination is to create competition for that right tackle spot regardless, whether it's Walker Little going to right tackle and competing Mm -hmm. with Jawan Taylor for right tackle, or is that moving Cam to right tackle and letting Jawan compete for playing time, period. Maybe at right tackle or somewhere else. I I don't know the answer to that. But I do know the answer that competition makes everybody better all the time. And this, this situation, this offensive line, that needs to get better. And then, obviously, Evan Neal's right there available at the top of the draft and has been mocked a lot of uh, times to the Jaguars so far, the, mm-hmm. the Alabama left tackle. So, 
you know, if you feel like he's the guy, then you know, the business might change in the next couple of weeks. Very well could. Who I knows? mean, so then you could say, okay, well, we're going to take that $16 million and maybe go find a wide receiver with that $16 million that could have been allocated to a Cam Robinson That's coming right. back. But, but I've always believed in that the only way that you get better as a football team is not by subtraction, it's by addition. And if you don't keep Cam, that's subtraction. And you can't look at it and say, well, hey, look, we're going to get the kid from Alabama. He's going to be able to walk right in and just be just as good as Cam. That may not happen. But you do have to have a plan with that. Mm -hmm. But, again, I, I like to create competition with addition. And, uh, and I think it's going to be very interesting to watch, and we should have a pretty good idea of where it's going to be heady because of what's the first day of what's the first day, uh, calendar day of the league year in which free agency begins. 16th, it's a Wednesday, 4 so, o'clock. So There's we're a, talking a couple weeks away that's here, right. which is not far. So we're going to be able to find out here pretty soon what's going to be happening. Then there's the interior of the line question marks, too. I mean, what's going to happen there? Shatley's well, coming up, free agent. You know, Shatley's you a want, free agent. paying Linder. You know, there's all that. Well, and that's the, the, we said it in the past, and that if you if you want to keep Brandon Linder. And look, I love Brandon Linder. Uh, I like him as a player. I like him as a person. I, I like a lot of things about Brandon Linder. Been a very good leader for this football team. He, When he's been available, he's been really good. He's been banged up a lot. The availability has had some issues over the course of the last four or five years. And so Shatley has always kind of been that uh, when you sign Linder, then you look at signing the one – if that's 1A, then 1B is trying to keep somebody who's a really good quality backup, and that's Shatley who I think somebody should sign in free agency and make him their starter. I think he's a pretty good player. He's not better than Linder, but he's been available. And so I think it will be interesting, too, to see where this organization ends up going in that direction. Could they, in fact, go into the draft? Kansas City did it. I mean, they completely revamped their offensive line completely and partly through the draft with uh, arguably one of the best – Rookie players in all of football this past year, the young man that they got. He was really good. Can't remember his name. What was his center's name for Kansas City? Rookie? Yeah. Drawing a blank. Anyway. Yeah, I don't know. Um, so, there you have it. There will be a lot of – this next couple of weeks, it, it will get busier. All the, the headlines and things will come out of the combine, and then One thing deadlines certain, start happening. Yeah. They have got to find some weapons mm. on offense. Just throw the ball to somebody. I mean, they, they have to find impactful players on the offense. Defensively, they've got to find a way to get, and whether this be through the draft or whatever, they've got to find a way to affect the quarterback. They weren't able to do that consistently enough, and there's definitely a the, – the pieces in the middle of the defensive line are weak. We'll get to defense coming up. I was told Creed Humphrey. Is that who, who it was? Offensive line? I think so, yeah. I that think sounds so. right. There you go. Thanks, Joe. Fortunato with the assist. With, well, with the computer. Yes, uh, the, the Google machine. <laughs> We're back in a moment. And defensive talk affecting the quarterback. Big part of what the Jaguars need to get done on defense. We'll hear from Mike Caldwell. Also, the Jaguars defensive coordinator. Renew now, roar later. The time is now to renew your 2022 Jag season tickets. Season ticket members who renew by March 4th will be entered to win one of 54 scratch packs. Prizes include signed merchandise, exclusive access to events at the bank, and even a trip to the NFL Draft in Las Vegas. And this is Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network. That's the thing. We want to go out there. We want to be aggressive. We want to play 
aggressive style defense. Want to mm-hmm. attack the offense and make them adjust to us and understand what they're doing and just be able to go out there and have fun and fly around and make plays. How closely or how much, I guess the question is, did you talk to Todd about uh, defensive coordinator responsibilities and uh, what do you expect the transition uh, maybe the biggest challenge? I think we were together so long, I was able to understand sim- uh, the, the role mm-hmm. and now being put into that role, just understanding that, you know, have a plan, be tel- detailed about it, and it goes back to teaching. I'm able to teach my coaches what I know, what I want to get accomplished, and then we'll all teach that to the players. And if you communicate and get everybody on the same page, success will come. That's Mike Caldwell, Jaguars defensive coordinator, visiting with John Ozier, who you heard there. It's on the Ozone podcast today and tomorrow on the official Jaguars podcast network and the iHeartRadio app. J.P. Shadrick, Jeff Lagerman, it's Jaguars happy hour. You know, and he mentioned Todd there. Todd Bowles is who they were speaking of, the mm-hmm. defensive coordinator in Tampa Bay. And by the way, I, th- I think Todd Bowles should be a head coach in this league. I really do. Um, I thought I thought he did a, a, a really good job in with his previous opportunity, and then uh, was with a bad organization. Didn't really get an opportunity to kind of finish the job, and sometimes uh, you got to have the right players to make things work. But I, I've always liked him. I've always kind of been a fan of his from afar, and so I appreciate that Mike Caldwell has learned a lot from him because I think he's a really good coach. Their defense is nice down. There. Well, they got they got they have they, they have some really players. good talent. But yeah. what I like about what they do is that they don't try to be too cute. And that they allow the players to to utilize their their skills and their talents, and they put players in a position to succeed. And what a lot of people say, well, what does that mean? Well, if a guy is good at doing A, you don't ask him to do B or C or D. You, you put him in a position to do A as often as you can. And I, that's what the kind of coach that Todd Bowles has always been. And, and Mike Caldwell, I've always kind of – watched him more from his playing days don't know much don't know a lot about him as a coach because I haven't been around him but I knew that when he was a player he was a really good football player solid football player Uh, his days from the Browns I thought he was really solid and obviously when they made the transition over to Baltimore I thought he was still really good player at that point and uh, and so I, I think it's great for him it's a great opportunity for him I also like the fact that they have Bob Sutton still on staff they kept him and that's somebody that the head coach has had some experience with in Kansas City when Doug Peterson was there. Bob Sutton was a defensive coordinator. Bob Sutton's been around a long time. Yes. And when you have a first-time defensive coordinator, I, th- I think it's very important that you have somebody that's on that side of the ball that has a little bit of experience that, hey, look, when you get in a situation, that hey, experience matters. And when you don't have that experience, to be able to bounce ideas off of somebody – that does have experience, I think that's incredibly important. So I think it's a real good situation for Mike to be able to succeed in and obviously need to get some more talent on that side of the ball. And, and with the draft picks and free agency and the cash uh, cap room you got, you should be able to do that. He mentioned he wanted to be aggressive, have an aggressive defense. What does that mean to you? Well, I think it depends on the personnel. I mean, you always want to be aggressive. You can be aggressive. A lot of people sometimes misinterpret being aggressive as that we're going to be blitzing. We're going to be like Buddy Ryan. We're going to light them up. We're going to send one more than they can block every single time. And what does that do? Well, that 
leaves you a little bit delinquent in your coverage. If you look at Todd Bowles, that's a four-man rush defense. That's what they like to do. Well, well they have, It helps when you have Sue and Vita Vea and Jason Pierre-Paul and Shaq Barrett. Exactly. <laughs> right. So being aggressive means is that I think in a lot of times is being aggressive with the personnel that you have. So that will dictate the type of defense. And, and anybody that is worth a grain of salt in the, in the coaching profession – will utilize the personnel because it's never about system. It's never about, hey, my defense is the best. We're going to make it work. Well, yeah, I mean, some of your ideas might be the best, but you also have to have the personnel to execute. And when you don't have the personnel to execute, sometimes you have to do things a little bit differently. Giving a perfect example, Dave McGinnis, who was a longtime defensive coordinator, defensive coach in the National Football League, was a head coach with the Arizona Cardinals for quite a few years. And when when I was doing games for Fox Television, Dave was always one of my favorite guys to talk to because he was just – he was very enlightening. And I still love talking to him now. He's the color analyst for the Tennessee Titans radio broadcast that they do uh, for every game. And he always used to tell me at the time when he was the head coach of the Cardinals, he would say, hey, look, I said, what, what's your game plan this week, Dave? And he'd say, hey, look, Jeff, you know you know what we got. We, we just we got to trick it up a little bit. We just we can't manufacture a pass rush with four, so we're going to get creative. Okay, what does that mean? He said, well, he said, we're, we're going to try to do it and, and try to do it mostly without risking ourselves in the back end. So they're going to send four guys that maybe the offense doesn't expect because the four guys that they have trying to rush on a regular basis or that the offense would be expecting aren't good enough to win consistently enough. So he would say, hey, we've got to trick it up. But I think those are the type of things that coaches can be aggressive by, by sending different guys, but maybe not sending more than they have and then leaving your coverage in a delinquent situation. Miles Jack you know, looks to be key on this defense yet again. Um, you know, not sure exactly what it's going to look like yet. It's still a little early in that world, but um, Miles has been moved all over this defense over the years. And uh, what would you think of his play overall last season? I didn't think very much of it. I think it was very good. No, I don't think he was terrible, but I don't think that – Tip. what you always want to have is that you want to have the play commensurate with the pay. And in football, that rarely happens because sometimes you have guys that are outperforming their contract, mm-hmm. okay, like you've had with a young running back last two years ago, mm-hmm. I guess now, and with J-Rob. And then you have some guys that are underperforming their contract because maybe you got them in free agency and that's just the market in order to get them. They, just, they can't play well enough to match the dollar amount that they're getting. And that's kind of sometimes that happens. That's understood. With Miles, who was a guy that you signed before he got to free agency, when you have a guy in that situation, you would always like to have them outperforming their contract still. And I think the defensive change affected him. His his perfect defense that he's played in so far was being the weak side linebacker in a 4-3 defense when he didn't have to call the place. That's the best situation that he's been in. That's when he excelled. When – they had him calling plays and playing the mic wasn't as good. When they had him last year not calling the plays eventually, they, that took a little while to figure that out. Mm-hmm. And then playing in that 3-4 defense, it wasn't the best that he was at. I mean, look at the answer. When I say look at the numbers, look at the numbers that Miles Jack has when, from a standpoint of, okay, not just tackles, but the other numbers. 
sacks, interceptions, tackle for losses, passes defensed, caused fumbles, recovered fumbles. Look at those numbers and tell me what they tell you. Right. I mean, he's more impactful when he was in that spot. There's that's no a, doubt. That, that's my point. Those are the just, numbers. Yeah, right. Those are the numbers in the categories. Around the football numbers. That you need right. to have. If, if you're paying somebody a, a bunch of money and he's going to be one of your best players, those categories have to be filled up with some numbers. And I'm not saying that he has to you know, have five or six in every category. But you gotta have you gotta have some numbers in those categories, and and last year he did not. Let's come back. But I'll argue that the other sorry to interrupt that the other linebacker played better. Wilson, Damian Damian Wilson. Wilson. You could make that argument that Damian Wilson played better last year, and he was a guy that you got off the street and free agency on what a one year deal, right? Mm. Was he a one year deal? Let me look. But my point being is that he's coming know, off a couple runs with Kansas City. So uh, let's uh, look at this. But it wasn't like he was a high priced free agent. <clears throat> no, he was not. Uh, yeah, one year deal. Yeah. Two million bucks. Thought. Two million bucks. Uh, so you, you, could, you could make the case that Damian Wilson <coughs> played better than Miles Jack last year. Wow. Or at least played as an equal. I mean, if you compared the numbers, okay, that's not what you're looking for. And so I think Miles, Miles has to and – and I like Miles. I think he has to take a step up this year. If this defense is going to take a step up, he has to be a part of those taking a step up. Let's come back. We'll take a live look at the construction of the football building. Hmm. It's become a Thursday tradition here. They're not, they're not messing around, are they? No, they're moving a lot are of Are we going to do around. a time lapse, like you know, save all these pictures? Man, I think know? they're working on that, yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah. We'll come back. We'll do that. We'll go around the NFL also, uh, including uh, saying goodbye to somebody, leaving the NFL, and going back to college. Who? We'll find out in a Who? moment. It's Who? Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network. The station that the Jaguars listen to, 1010XL, home of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Jaguars happy hour coming down the stretch on Thursday. And if you're watching on Jaguars.com and Jags social media, it's a live look at the Football Performance Center site. They continue to move dirt. More and more dirt being moved by the day. It's a lot of dirt. I'd That's like to, a lot I'd, of dirt. I'd like to go out there and drive some of that equipment out there. I think you'd be qualified for that. You have some experience with that. Right? I do. Up on the farm. I do. It it, uh, it would be a lot of fun. It'd be like uh, playing in the sandbox as a kid. But I was, this time, was, instead of having the fake Tonka toys, the old metal school, say, old school right. ones, you got yeah. real ones. The Tonka trucks. Yeah. Uh, I, I was a big Tonka truck guy, by the way. I think Dad still has mine. Does he really? Yeah. I were yours that. plastic? No, they were, I think they were metal. Yeah. The metal ones yeah. were the old school, oh, yeah. man. They were money. So there's a lot of work going on, and it started – Literally the day after the, the final game, they roped off the, the field, and um, now they're tearing one of them apart. That will be the footprint of the Football Performance Center, scheduled to be open for business in training camp of 2023. Mm-hmm. So some decisions to be made of um, the offseason program and where all that's going to be. But uh, welcome back. Jaguars Happy Hour. J.P. Shadrick with Jeff Lagerman. 
And, uh, hey, let's go around the National Football League. Let's do that. Let's. Let's. Uh, Reports today that Troy Aikman (laughs) could be headed to ESPN to join Monday Night Football. Well, Al Michaels was expected to head to Amazon Prime for Thursday Night Football, and the word was that Aikman was going to join him there for kind of a superstar pairing in the booth. Well, Aikman, I guess, is headed to ESPN. No official word yet. There's no word yet on play-by-play. That would also shake up the rest of the booth on Monday Night Football and send those analysts uh, elsewhere. So you got Troy Aikman competing against Peyton and Eli. So it's a quarterback battle on Monday night. Battle, that's right. Because of ESPN two and ESPN. Tony Romo, by the way, is making eighteen million dollars a year at CBS, and you could expect the number to be close to that. I'm sure for Troy. Oh yeah, I mean uh, Troy's been around a long time. I, I I enjoy listening to Troy. I think he does a really good job of of presenting the game from a quarterback's eye. And uh, and Tony Romo, I think, is entertaining in some other aspects as far as uh, the, the way that he sees the game, the way that he tries to predict certain things. Uh, he makes it fun. And uh, sometimes he is grossly off, but, uh, but that can happen when you're playing the guessing game in a broadcast. But, uh, but I, like, I, like, I enjoy both of them. I think they both do a really good job and they entertain. I'll, I will say this. There's nobody in today's in today's game that surpasses Chris Collinsworth in my eyes. I think Chris Collinsworth Collinsworth has a great understanding of a couple things. One, he has a great understanding of the, of the big picture of the league as a whole. I think he does a great job of big picture game analysis of a game. But then he can also break down plays from an individual standpoint and be pretty accurate. And I was not a big fan of Chris Collinsworth years ago. I thought he was a little bit uh, demeaning. I think he talked down to the audience at times. But I, I think now he's a wonderful broadcaster, a wonderful analyst. And he, in my opinion, he should be getting paid the most. What's this uh, kind of fallback phrase? It's Here's a guy. That's what he always starts with. <laughs> Here's a guy. But he does a great job. You're right. He does. He does. He, he's smooth. <laughs> he's just he's he's so smooth. And efficiency with words is so important as a broadcaster. And I think that's what Al Michaels is so good at. He just it's just amazing at that. And as an analyst, you never expect the same efficiency out of an analyst. But man, Collinsworth is as efficient with his words as anybody that's in the business. Let's move to Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers. The saga continues with the Packers quarterback. He posted on Instagram the other day, Logs. I know you're all over Instagram. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll probably follow him. It was seemingly a goodbye to players and people around him in Green Bay. The next day on the Pat McAfee show, he said that he hadn't come to a decision yet. I didn't, I didn't view it as a goodbye. I didn't read it on Instagram, but I read about it. and mm-hmm. I, I, He was just being very thankful. He said that he underwent like an eight- or a nine-day cleanse. Right. Okay? What exactly that consists of, I really don't want to know. But uh, <laughs> well, somehow he came out on the other side well, with a lot of deep thoughts. You know, so I, I, I'm kind of reminded of the, the Saturday Night Live skit. Deep thoughts, okay? <laughs> <laughs> the Jack Handy, was that what it was? Right. Yeah. Oh, so, uh, so anyway, thank the girlfriend that he broke up with as part of those deep thoughts. <laughs> and so once I got past that, I'm like, okay. Mm. 
what exactly were you cleansing out of your body, but also what were you putting in your body at the same time? Hmm. Well, uh, the Packers GM spoke this week also and said that he never promised Rodgers that he would trade him after the 2021 season. He was asked about that. Yeah, that was, was very clear place, back then. I, I like, thought no, that we was did very not. clear. There was no promise made. So the saga continues, and uh, you know, I would guess fairly soon you might hear something else out of Aaron Rodgers. Why not? It did that. That's going to be, I mean, this all season with Aaron Rodgers and how cryptic he can be. Mm-hmm. What's the situation in Green Bay? And then you add in the Tom Brady watch. Is he retired or is he not retired? Is he just trying to implement his freedom and free agency so that he can go play in San Francisco? I mean, it's just like, okay. Well, I mean, it's just a it's a never-ending kind of a drama situation mm. with that. And Tom Brady has earned the right to do whatever he wants. Speaking of Tom Brady and drama... He's going to be acting. He'll be playing himself in a movie titled 80 for Brady. It's a football-themed road trip movie, and it's set to begin production this spring. He'll produce the film, and it stars, get this list, Lily Tomlin, Jane Fonda, Rena Moreno, and Sally Fields. Not a big fan of Jane Fonda. Uh, Four women will travel to see Brady play in Super Bowl 52 is the plot line. And uh, back a couple years ago, he created 199 Productions, and that'll help him make the film what with is Paramount 199, Pictures. What does 199 Productions mean? That's his draft number. Draft exactly. I wanted, you, I wanted you to say See? that because a yeah. lot of people don't know that. So he's going to be in the movie and then producing the movie. You as got well. TB12, okay, the, his company uh, that uh, you know, he's does got a lot fitness of, thing. He's got a lot of irons in the fire. 199 Productions. Look, he's a smart guy. He's, he's doing okay. Uh, he's going to be highly successful. So why at play whatever. football if you got all those things going you know, on? He'll be highly successful at whatever he chooses to do. Now, you know, the, the challenge is for him is can he be more successful? Than Roger Stallback. Oh, that's tough now. <laughs> Roger, Roger got it done after football. Roger Stallback yeah. has been the most highly successful quarterback post-playing career that has ever been in the National Football League. Highly, highly successful businessman. Made millions. And I think Roger Stallback's net worth is got to be somewhere in the is he is he over 200 million now? 300 million. I mean it's it's something that's just amazing and that most guys essentially associate quarterback's net worth with what they made as a as a player. But Roger Stallback didn't make a whole lot of money as a player. Right. So Stallback started a real estate commercial real estate business. In the late 70s, right Mm -hmm. after he was done. And it sold, apparently, in 2008 for $613 million. And he was the sole proprietor of that company. So, that's pretty good. You think? Pretty good living. That's the challenge (laughs) for Tom Brady. Pretty good living. I don't know if he can reach that one. Uh, One more note. Uh, Brian Flores says he declined to sign a Dolphin separation agreement so he could speak out on the treatment by the team. And... Flores told Bryant Gumble on HBO's Real Sports all this. Uh, he left millions of dollars on the table, but uh, granted him the freedom to talk. So that will be ongoing as we move ahead. Now, he d- did get hired by the Steelers. Yeah, Mike Tomlin hired him. That's right. And yeah, Mike Tar- Tomlin hired him as a senior defensive assistant. 
which I think Brian Flores should still be head coach in the National Football League. I thought he was doing a really good job in Miami. There was a power struggle that was happening between him and the general manager, and uh, that's kind of what many people believe, and he lost out. And uh, it's unfortunate. I don't know exactly what's going to come of some of the accusations that he's made, but there certainly will be a day in court for all of that. And if some of the accusations prove to be correct, especially about Mr. Ross, the owner of the Miami Dolphins, uh, it will not bode very well for him and his future ownership of the Miami Dolphins. Let's finish with Rams tackle Andrew Whitworth, who is the Walter Payton Man of the Year. Had a fantastic speech at the NFL Honors the other week, by the way. Happy for him. He now has a Super Bowl ring. Well, he's getting advice from all kinds of people about his possible retirement from the NFL, including a phone call from the great one. Wayne Gretzky lives nearby. They are Mm -hmm. friends. Well, he's been thinking about retiring, still leaning that way, he said. But, well, Gretzky said that winning multiple championships is even better than just one. So he's trying to talk him into staying with the Rams. But it sounds like Whitworth, at least from his words, is still leaning towards calling it a career. That's pretty good advice from Wayne Gretzky calls you. Yeah, I think that's that's the coolest thing about that is that Wayne Gretzky actually calls him up and says, hey, man, come on back for another one, which, of course, Wayne Gretzky probably has a little bit of a personal interest in that because he's a he's an L.A. guy, an L.A. fan. He wants to see the Rams continue to have success. Uh, but that had to be probably a cool moment for, for Whitworth in that. And he still can play now. This is not a, a 40-year-old left tackle that was is given a job – and there's some young man that can play way better than him. He's still a good football player. He still is excellent in pass protection. He doesn't do a whole lot as far as far as moving guys in the run game, but he still can protect the blind side of a quarterback exceptionally well. And could he do it again if he wanted to at the age of 41? Absolutely, he could. Logs, well, great show. Enjoy. We'll be with you next week. They'll be at the combine in Indy. Ashlyn Sullivan will host next week's well, show good, on good, Thursday. Good, uh, good. Joe Fortunato, we get the week off. Brent Reber for Jeff Lagerman. A week off. I mean, I don't know about that. I'm JP Shadrick, and it's Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network.